Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Red Letters Sermon Series, which looks at the teachings and conversations of Christ in the Gospels. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, and let's go to the book of James. James in chapter number five tonight. We're going to take a break from our um, Red Letter series just for tonight as we look forward to our revival services coming up. And so James chapter five is where we're going to be, and I think it'll be a, a, a great time in the Word tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. So James chapter five, and we'll be there in just a second, but if you've ever, uh, if you've ever, ever ugh, excuse me, tongue-tied, if you have ever played sports then you probably have heard something, uh, maybe a statement like this, a statement that would be winning is in your preparation. Have you ever heard that winning is in your preparation? Uh, Or maybe you heard something like this, that if you do not prepare, you will not succeed. Uh, If you don't prepare, you won't succeed. Really, when you think about it, uh, if you ever played sports, they told you that the, the victory was really in how you practiced, was in your preparation. But tonight, what I want us to look at is that in really any area of life, in any area of life, preparation brings blessing. I'm going to say that again. In any area of life, preparation, how you prepare, brings a greater reward. Preparation brings blessing. Well, this next week, we're going to have revival services at, at our church at Moses Lake Baptist. But that does not mean that revival is going to happen. As a matter of fact, if you've been at MLBC for any length of time, then you've already heard me say that revival is not merely just extra services. Revival is not extra preaching. Revival happens in the heart of God's people. It's a heart thing. It's a, a revival is a heart that is continually drawing closer to God and, and passionate about the things of God. Uh, actually, biblically speaking, revival is an alive Christian. That's what revival is, a revived spirit. Spiritually speaking, it has to do with my heart being engaged in a, a closer and a deeper walk with Jesus Christ, uh, identifying those, um, that, that walk being identified through characteristics that are just growing closer to the Lord. And so a revived Christian is someone who has passion about the Lord and passion for the Lord. A person who's experiencing revival, they're going to be uh, right with God and have a desire to be right with others, not just one day, but consistently. Uh, That revival is just taking place and growing my heart for the Lord. Uh, A person who's experiencing revival is going to uh, desire to have a uh, consistency in their spirit, having a right spirit, being one that uh, isn't just dealing with anger and fear and, and discouragement and hurt and bitterness and lust and envy and that critical spirit. Oh, we will face that, but when we're, when we're experiencing revival, we're going to realize the attack against our spirit and we're going to say, no, I want to be right with God. No, I want to walk closer to the Lord. A person who's experiencing revival is going to, the Bible says in Matthew 6, or Matthew 5, is going to have a hunger and a thirst after righteousness. Man, isn't that in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I believe that that is a sign of revival, that we experience that hunger and thirst for righteousness. A person who is 
experiencing revival is going to have a desire, uh, um, really a, a very passionate desire, for seeing people come to know Christ as Savior. It's going to be their desire to come to uh, uh, not only grow in the Lord, but help others to come to know the Lord. But tonight I want us to understand that revival can't come and it, it won't come unless God's people are prepared for it, unless God's people have prepared for it. And one of the best ways to prepare our hearts for real revival is through the avenue of prayer. Now, at our church, I really try to, we, we try to emphasize prayer, and uh, I've been missing our, our uh, Thursday night prayer times that we were having uh, before Corona, but thankful for our Wednesday mornings, prayer with pastor, and uh, we've been taking a break from that last couple weeks, but we'll get back to that again soon. But uh, really, we try to emphasize prayer every service. We try to emphasize uh, us capturing, allowing the Lord to capture our heart, and, and we do that through prayer. Lord, I just dedicate the time to you, and as a church family, we encourage that prayer time personally and then corporately as a church uh, praying together. And man, prayer is one of those things that can easily be neglected. And so tonight, I want to take just a few minutes and help us understand that there is an amazing power in prayer. And so we want to get prepared for our revival through prayer. And that's really just going to be the simple challenge tonight. I'm going to challenge you to prepare this weekend. As we look, tonight being Thursday night, as we look at tomorrow, Friday, and then Saturday, I want to encourage you to prepare your heart through prayer. Let's go to James chapter number five. We're really just going to kind of try to get the, uh, the thought behind the passage that James would write and then just teach on the subject of prayer tonight. So James chapter five, and beginning in verse number 13, I want you to follow along with me as I read these words. James five, thirteen. James writes this, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Again, tonight, it's going to be a, a little bit of a different study, but kind of a topical study just on prayer but I want to emphasize a thought that I believe James is trying to get across, and it's very one simple point, one simple point that I'll put on the screen in just a minute, but one simple point, and it's this, that God works when his people pray. God works when his people pray. Let's go to the Lord and ask him to help us tonight. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a minute, and uh, where you are, just stop, and would you ask the Lord? tonight to speak to your heart? Would you ask the Lord to help you listen to him and hear from him tonight? Dear Lord, I just come before you and thank you for your love. I thank you, God, for your care in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that you desire to speak to us tonight. 
Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, I ask you that you would challenge us. I pray, Lord, that it would not be a time of just a reminder, but Lord, that it would be a time of a call to action, that you would challenge us in our prayer lives, Lord, as uh, individuals and then as a church family. God, that we would understand that you desire for us to to seek you every day, to spend time with you every day. And Lord, that as we uh, spend time in prayer, God, that you grow that relationship and that you truly work when your people pray. I love you, Lord, and I pray again that you'd speak through me right now as I speak to your people and that you'd use the message this night to uh, encourage and to help hearts and to challenge us with, uh, with a prayer life for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you come to James in chapter number five, and we're going to be bouncing around some other passages, but as you come to the book of James, of course, uh, I believe that the book of James is probably one of the very first books of the New Testament that was written. Uh, James, of course, was one of the early pastors of that church there at Jerusalem. Uh, Acts chapter number two, we'll see in just a second, uh, Peter would get up, and beginning in Acts one, he'd begin preaching on the day of Pentecost, and um, of course, as that message would go out, uh, many people would be receptive and receive Christ as Savior. And uh, the Word of God tells us in the end of uh, Acts chapter number 2 that thousands of people would trust the Lord as their Savior and follow Him in baptism and displaying that faith. And speaking of which, we're going to have a, a lakeside baptism coming up here in just a couple of weeks. And we'll let you know more about that on, on Sunday uh, as we uh, begin our revival. And we're looking forward to that lakeside baptism. But when you come to Acts chapter number two, those people follow the Lord in baptism, and, and uh, what God did is God uh, brought in and, and ushered in, of course, the church at Jerusalem, and because of that, the disciples, they uh, would be used of God to establish that church and see that church really grow, and James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, would begin to pastor that early church, and of course, when we read in, in uh, Acts chapter three, four, five, six, and 7, mainly God, God is working and the Holy Spirit is working through the believers there in Jerusalem, and that church is growing. Thousands of people are being saved, and God is just uh, really expanding that ministry. But then as you come to Acts chapter 6 and 7, we find the persecution of Stephen. Acts chapter 8, of course, Stephen is, is uh, martyred, is killed for the sake of the Lord at the end of Acts chapter 7. Acts 8, the Bible says in verse number 1 that Saul of Tarsus began to wreak havoc with the churches and spe specifically the church at Jerusalem while there were other small groups. It really hadn't broken up yet. And so from Acts 8, the church at Jerusalem would be dispersed because of persecution. And God would use that to send a man by the name of Philip uh, to go... Uh, to go south, and he would begin preaching, and Philip would begin, uh, uh, of course, he'd go to Samaria, then he would go to the Gaza Strip, and God, God would use him in those areas, and that was just a small, uh, a small glimpse of what was taking place all over the known world because of believers being dispersed from Jerusalem in Acts chapter number 8. And uh, so God, he was, he was working good even though the church at that time was facing much challenge. And uh, can I just encourage you tonight as we look around, uh, boy, we can be so easily given to the spirit of fear and saying, God, what is going on with corona, the COVID, the riots, all of these things? But we need to know that God can always be working good even when we don't see how he's working it. And that's those early believers, the church at Jerusalem, they didn't know why Saul of Tarsus was wreaking havoc against them and persecuting them and began to really uh, challenge the, the faith of all the believers. And yet, God used that time 
to expand the ministry and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think even during this COVID-19 challenge and the uh, pandemic we've been facing and all the different shutdowns and riots and all these different things, I think that God has been expanding his ministry. And uh, once again, we're seeing God use something that we as believers would say is a, a challenging time, but God is saying, no, I'm using this to grow my people. And in Acts chapter number eight, God was doing the same thing. Well, James, he's still the pastor there at the church of Jerusalem during that time. And so a few years would go by and James would have a heart to just connect with his people. And so he writes the letter or the book that we have called the book of James. He writes to them, of course, the beginning of the book, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, uh, my brethren, greeting. And he, he begins to greet them, and, and he begins to tell them, hey, you're facing challenges and you're facing trials, but don't, don't be disheartened. God is still working. And he begins to write to them uh, a number of very practical truths that would help them through their challenges. But then as he comes to the end of the letter, James kind of keys in on a very foundational truth that every believer needs to understand. And that foundational truth is this, that prayer works. Prayer works. I want you to say that with me right where you are. Ready? Prayer works. Listen, God still works through his people praying. And that's the thought pattern. And again, we're not going to get into everything that James gets into in verse 13 through 18 but he's just teaching on the subject matter of prayer. Hey, prayer works. And so tonight, I have one simple point. It's just one point tonight. The entire message is one point, and here's what it is. I already said it, and I'll give it to you one more time, that God works when his people pray. God works when his people pray. As we come to this passage in James in chapter number uh, five, let me tell you that in James chapter number five, as James, as James begins to write about prayer and talk about prayer, I want to kind of answer the question of what is prayer? Some people would say that prayer is simply just, you know, us uh, uh, just talking with God, and they'd be accurate. But is prayer just a conversation with God? No. No, I believe that prayer is that moment of building the relationship between us and God. It's a moment of more than just conversation. It's a moment of pouring our heart out to the Lord. It's talking to him about the needs that are on our heart that he already knows, but that we can bring across to him, presenting to him our requests. Prayer is a time of, of praise and thanksgiving. It's, it's really a, a great time of growing the fellowship and the relationship with the believer and our Savior. But I love how uh, one old preacher put it when he said this. Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Ghost for such things as God hath pro has promised. That's a really deep statement. Uh, it's, a, it's a deep quote. Prayer is a sincere sensible, affection, affectionate, I love the phrase, pouring out of the heart or soul to God. Pouring out the heart or the soul to God. Prayer is much more than just bringing our requests to him. Prayer is pouring out our life to him. 
In James chapter 5, we read through these verses with that simple application that prayer can happen for reasons. If any among you, let him pray. Is any sick? Let him call the elders. Let them pray. That Hey, there's a bunch of reasons you can pray, and because prayer really works. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse Verse number six, he said, be careful, be full of care for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Hey, listen, don't be filled with care, fearful about certain situations. No, pour your heart out to God. Pour your heart out to God with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. James said it this way in James chapter 5 and verse number 16. He said, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Just the other day, we did this verse with our kids uh, for our family prayer time and our family Bible time. And as we looked through this verse, really we came up with kind of a uh, a definition. What is this verse saying? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I've heard a lot of things about it. But we came up with this little thought. That the active, that word effectual, it means to be continual, to uh, be passionate. So the active and passionate prayer of a believer, someone who is walking and trying to be right with God, it accomplishes more than you know. The active, the continual and passionate prayer of someone who's trying to be right with God, it accomplishes more than you could know. And every believer should desire to have a walk with God and live for him and, and be right with him. And every believer should desire that in their life. And when that believer spends not just time mumbling words to the Lord, but time really pouring their heart out to God, and God works. You know, God has promised that when his people pray, great things take place. There's promises all over the word of God. Think about this one, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said these words, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. He's talking about that relationship with the Lord. Hey, you come to me and ask, and it's going to be given. Seek me, and you're going to find. Hey, knock on the door of my heart, and it's going to be opened unto you. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, and verse number 13, the passage of prayer being importunity, uh, just going to God continually with need. Here's what the summary of that statement is. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Hey, God will meet the needs of those who seek him, those who are working continually, just keeping their life right with him, that passionate love for him within their heart, not just the outward appearance of, of righteousness, but those who have a desire to be right with God. When they passionately seek God, their prayer availeth much. It can accomplish a lot. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus promised this, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Hey, God blesses when his people spend that private time alone with the Lord, passionately seeking him. James chapter 1, James also said this, talking about prayer. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, 
which giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Hey, listen, you can go to God in prayer asking for wisdom and grace, and God will meet it. Just one more place in Scripture where we find that God says, when my people pray, I work. God works when his people pray. We have so many cases of this in Scripture. I want you to notice just a few of them with me with the early church in the book of Acts. If you go to Acts chapter number 2, you find a prayer being given in Acts chapter 1, excuse me, and verse number 14. The verse won't be on there, but the references are. I want you to open your Bible. And let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14, notice what's said. It says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and, the Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So there's a list of people and the disciples and the apostles given in Acts 1, and they all continued in prayer. And, and the Bible would lead us to believe that Peter began to pray. The Holy Ghost comes upon them, and the result of their prayer, they prayed and asked God some specific things in Acts 1. The result is in Acts 2. Acts 2, 37 through 41, notice what it says. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized on every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So what took place? A prayer request was given, God, give us your power. Acts chapter 1, Peter says, God, help me as I stand up and speak. The church is praying. In Acts chapter number 2, thousands of people are saved. When God, God works, when his people pray. Acts chapter 4, the prayer request is taking place. God's people go to him. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the first part, it says that they had prayed. They had been together in prayer. Notice the answer given. The result that takes place, it says, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul, neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all." You say, Pastor, what are these two things doing? Listen, when God's people pray, God works. And I just want us to see in Scripture that we serve the same God. And uh, those, those early believers, they understood we need to meet with God. We need to seek God. And when, when uh, they prayed, God showed up. Another case in Acts chapter number 12, uh, Peter is facing persecution. Verse number 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Listen. 
happened. The church began to pray. This wasn't even led by James or a, a John or a Peter. Peter's in jail. James has been executed. This wasn't even uh, led by the so-called leadership of the church. No, the church just said, hey, we're facing a difficult time. We need to come together. We need to seek God. And they came together and they sought God. And you can read the account in Acts 12, 7 through 12, where God allows the angels to come and the gates to open and Peter's chains to fall off. And Peter walks out thinking he's in a a dream and he comes to the house where the uh, people are knowing now it's not a dream. He knocks on that door and that uh, young teenage girl, Rhoda, answers the door. And and, uh, man, she's so excited. She doesn't even open the door. She goes away and says, Peter's at the gate. Peter's at the gate. Hey, God answered our prayer. And the the, the people are like, no, no, it's his ghost. (laughs) No, he's dead. Certainly they've taken his life. And yet she's like, no, it's him. And they open the door. And man, Peter comes in and ministers to them and tells them everything that had happened. But you look and, and Luke, the writer of Acts, wants us to know, listen, the reason this took place is because God's people were praying. God works when his people pray. Acts chapter 16, two places, verse number 13, they get together and pray. Verse 14 and 15, God brings people to meet with them. Acts 16, 16, you can find uh, the people praying and uh, uh, seeking the Lord regarding the the young lady, the soothsayer that was demon-possessed and uh, had the spirit, Acts 17 and 18, she's delivered of that spirit. Acts chapter 16, verse number 25, Paul and, and Silas, they are there and they're in jail. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. They, they just prayed, talked with the Lord about their situation. We don't know what they prayed, but we know they spent time seeking the Lord and praising God for their situation. And God came and, and answered, met a great request. Acts 16, 26 through 34, what do we read taking place? That there was a great earthquake. The prison doors were opened. The chains were loosed. The security guard woke up thinking everybody was gone, was going to take his own life. And Paul said, hey, don't don't harm yourself. We're all still here. And that man came in and asked a question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do? Man, you guys have something that I don't. I need. I need what you have. Why did God do that? I believe it was because God's people, God's people, these early the early disciples and followers of Jesus understood that God works when his people pray. I tell you this evening, tonight, that that statement is still very true. Listen, the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament is still the same God that we serve. As a believer, I know that I have times in my life when I doubt. I don't, I don't see that God could work like he did back then. And we know that, that the sign gifts are departed and, and some of those miraculous uh, signs that God did, some of those things God said, hey, those are gone because you have the word of God to stand upon. We know that some of those signs are not going to take place. But listen, God still desires to work in the heart of people But what I believe that we're missing within our churches and within uh, biblical Christianity in our country and in our world and in our culture is people that will pray. I mean, people that are sincere about prayer. 
I know in my own life how convicted I am so often about uh, my own prayer life and understanding that God desires to work, but my negligence in prayer is so often the reason that God doesn't show up because I don't have the faith. I don't have the faith to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for this because I believe God can do it. Listen, fear and, and, and that uh, faithless uh, spirit, that's what holds us back from praying. But when, when God's people pray, God works. One man summarized it this way about prayer. He said, prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscles of omnipotence. Man, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. Listen, we can go to Scripture, and we can find story after story after story of of God's uh, people praying and God showing up. But just as I said a moment ago, he's the same God now as he was then. And stories don't stop with the early church. There's tons of stories of people praying and God delivering. One of my missionary heroes that I studied early on in college, um, his name, uh, Brother Lester, and, and uh, or Brother Hester, excuse me, and uh, when you look at his story as a missionary to Lebanon, and his years in Lebanon, and I, I think I got his, his signature right here. In the, I don't do many signatures, but I was at a meeting years ago with him, and, and uh, man, H.R. Hester, I was there and thought, man, there, there he is. And his stories are amazing. His years of being a missionary in Lebanon, I've got it in a little um, uh, missionary um, storybook that I've had since I was a kid. Times when uh, one time he was, he was being, facing t- much persecution and people were coming by and, and uh, just literally firing shots at his vehicle. Shot, all, shot the vehicle, this little minivan, shot it all up, holes all everywhere. And he was inside of it, I believe with one or two of his kids just in the floorboard of the driver's area, just praying. And when they got out, the police officers and those who uh, uh, helped him afterwards said, we don't know how bullets missed you. And there were bullet holes literally all over. And yet he would say, well, it was God. God delivered me. And there's stories like that. I recount stories. There was one I read uh, by a a lady, uh, Dr. Helen Rosevere. And she was a missionary for years in Zaire, Africa. And the story is told that uh, there was a mother that gave birth to a child and at, at an orphanage. And uh, this mother gave birth to a child and then passed away uh, after childbirth. And, and um, this, the older sibling was probably like three or four years old. And this new baby is, is probably going to die because the orphanage is out of, out of product, out of baby milk, out of a heating pad, doesn't have anything to take care of this baby. And uh, the, the missionary, this, this little uh, single missionary lady, she went to the kids of the orphanage. And she said, we need to pray tonight for a water bottle that can help the baby, or the, the heating bottle that can help the baby, and let's pray for a baby doll for the sister. And one little orphan girl, she got down and she prayed and she said, dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely now that her mom is gone. That afternoon, a large package arrived, Zaire, Africa, 
from England. The children watched eagerly as they began to open up that package, and much to their surprise, underneath the clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the little girl who had prayed, she jumped up, and excitedly, she said, uh, she said, if God sent that, I am sure he also sent the doll. And that little girl began to dig through that, that box, and lo and behold, in the bottom of that box was a little baby doll. You know what's interesting is that package was sent five months before they opened it. Man, God knew, but God showed up and answered the prayer of that little girl, but he answered the prayer five months before. I just tell you tonight that God works when his people pray. I've told stories before of our family and Many stories that we have of, of our family praying with my folks growing up and seeing God answer prayer requests and, man, times when it, was, it could have been a life or death situation, God answering prayer requests. My dad doesn't share this much, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it tonight, but when I was 16 years old, my dad flew to a trip, and he was in Florida for a meeting, and one night he got out of a meeting real late and went out to eat with some, old, some, some preachers and, and uh, left the restaurant. I mean, it was probably, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, something like that, leaving the restaurant, going back to the hotel. And he stopped at a gas station to get some gas and, and uh, grab a, a water bottle or something for the hotel. And when he got out of the car, a gun barrel hit his head. And someone robbed my dad at gunpoint. And I remember my dad, he says, as he recounts that story, that he's there and Man, he said, I looked at the fellas and I knew I could take them. So as you know, they were only like five foot two, and here I am, six five. He said, I knew I could take them. He's like, but immediately my family was who I thought about, and I just began, God, just get me through this. And that prayer, and I look at that man getting that phone call the next day and finding out and last night my dad was robbed and they took his money and his credit cards and all that stuff, and thankfully, I believe the police found them a little bit later and all of that, but I look at that, and you know what I think? I think that God helped because of my dad just simply stopping, God helped me in this situation. God, work in this. I look to my own life as being a young married college student, being broke, and praying specific prayer requests, and God meeting those prayer requests to a T without, I mean, with just as a miracle for me. Us praying for groceries. I've told the story of us being so broke, we had nothing, didn't even have toilet paper, and we prayed, God, we need toilet paper. We need groceries, and we need a car fixed. And that very next day, people showed up at our door with groceries, said, why don't you come over tonight for dinner? We went over to their house for dinner. We're leaving the house. And she says, hey, we bought too much toilet paper today. Could you guys use that 24-pack at the door or something? Oh, by the way, we got someone, a friend of ours, we heard your car broke down. He's coming over to the house tomorrow to fix it. And you know what? Listen, that only happened, I believe, because God met the need of a prayer request. You say, Pastor, why are we doing this? A little bit of a different study tonight. <clears throat> Listen, the miracle of revival only takes place when God's people seek him. I still believe the application of 2 Chronicles 7.14 to be true. Oh, I know it's applied. It's, it's specifically written to the nation of Israel. But I think it applies to God's people today. If my people, which are called by my name, 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Hey, God still wants to work through prayer. If God's people would truly seek his face, there's no telling what God could do. If we would seek his face about revival, there's no telling what God could do. I think God is, uh, he, he's casting the vote. Hey, I, God is saying, I vote for revival in the heart of the, every believer at Moses Lake Baptist. I vote for revival in the heart of the believers in Moses Lake, in Washington State, and in the Western United States, and the U.S., and God votes for revival in the heart of believers, but what believers need to do is we need to cast our vote as well by prayer. God, I pray, I humble myself, I seek your face. I want to be right with you, God. We need you. I think God wants to see more people come to him as Savior. It'll happen when people are revived. He wants to see more lives changed and marriages mended and Christians growing in their faith and more believers serving and more uh, missionaries being sent and more uh, buildings being built. God wants to do more than we could ever imagine. I mean, if you think about this, listen, our country needs his people to be revived. Over the last five decades, we have seen things go from bad to worse. I mean, not just riots and, and, and COVID situation. I'm talking about corruption uh, just in the entire system, talking about abortion, immorality, drugs, addictions, perversions. I mean, you, you name it. Listen, sin is right at the doorstep of God's people, and God's people too often just open the door and let it in. If revival is going to come, it is going to happen because God's people say, God, we're, we need you. God, we need you. I believe he wants to work, but he's not going to work unless his people pray. I want to close tonight with this last quote of, from uh, John R. Rice and in a book, I believe it was uh, called Prayer, Asking and Receiving. He said this, of itself, prayerlessness is, I have no doubt, worse than murder, worse than adultery, worse than blasphemy. It is more fundamental. It more clearly reveals the heart. In fact, while murder, adultery, and blasphemy may catch a person unaware, Trapped by the carnal mind, prayerlessness is the very heart of the carnal mind itself, a state of alienation from God. My greatest sin and yours is prayerlessness. My failures are all prayer failures. The lack of souls saved in my ministry is primarily because of the lack of prayer, not because of the lack of preaching. The withering away of joy in my heart sometimes is the fruit of prayerlessness. My indecision, my lack of wisdom, my lack of guidance comes directly out of my prayerlessness. All of the times I have fallen into sin have failed in my duties, have been bereft of, of power or disconsolate for uh, um, uh, lack of comfort. I can charge to the sin of prayerlessness. Oh, horrible sin, the lack of prayer. I tell you tonight that I believe that every one of us could echo the sentiments of that statement. That we would be closer to God, more in love with God, better used by God, better empowered by God, if we'd pray. You know what stops us from praying? Us. It's our own pride. I've got it. I can do it. I can handle it. 
Listen, tonight I want us to be encouraged to pray. Ian Bounds, famous writer on prayer, said this, what the church needs today, I've used it many times, not more machinery or better or new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use, men of prayer, men, and may I add women, mighty in prayer. I want to ask you tonight, will you prepare through prayer? Will you quit avoiding prayer? Will you quit making excuses of why, why you can't pray? Dennis, quit making excuses. Help me to quit making excuses why I can't pray. God works when his people pray. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.